Everybody, welcome to the Fluential and Friends podcast, where the story of your life can help somebody else's life story. My name is Joseph Ortiz. I'm here with my amazing guest today, Laura Guzman. Laura, how are we doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you for asking. Yeah, well, thank you for taking the time to come and sit down and have a very inspiring and important conversation for today. Um, your life story is the epitome of what this podcast is kind of about because your life story is seriously going to help other people in their life. And for people who don't really know, um, you're, you guys are going to be in for a ride. (laughs) (laughs) Um, to, to say the least, um, you are an incredibly strong person. Um, we, you know, spoke for probably about an hour before this mm-hmm. podcast and you were kind of just giving me like a rundown on, on your life. And yeah, it's like, it's inspiring. It makes me, it makes me happy that like the type of person that you are now, you. considering the things you kind of, that you had to go through. And it's, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's incredible to say the least. Thank you. Thank you. Like I said, um, as, so as many of you guys know, I am Laura Guzman. I'm, um, Girl Gone Fit, known on Instagram. So, hey, hey, so you guys already know it's Girl Gone Fit because that's what I'm known. But I am the uh, 2021 Natural Natural Olympia champion for the transformation category. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was a huge win on my end and a big accomplishment. So for many people who don't know, I did get the gold medal and it's hanging proud at home. And it's probably one of the most inspiring medals that I do have in my collection. And keep in mind, there's about over 30, 40 medals because I played soccer for 24 years. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, me being an Olympia champion myself, mm-hmm. it, that that is the highest, most prestigious award in natural bodybuilding that you can get. And you got it in the transformation category, like you just said. Mm-hmm. And we are definitely going to touch on that and why that was deserved and earned on your part. Um, but one thing I do want to do before we get this episode started is you unfortunately just lost your brother on Friday. Yes. And so we are going to take a moment of silence in his honor. For um, people who don't know, what is your brother's name? Um, his name was Ernesto Guzman. He had the same name as uh, my dad. Well, rest in peace to Ernesto. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I, I I told you too before the podcast. I was like, you know, the, the fact that you're still here mm-hmm. two two days after. It's um. I truly appreciate you for t- taking the time and, uh, and, but you said you, you wanted to do it in his honor to, yes. co- to come on in here still and, and make this appearance. Yes. Um, so just a little quick backstory. Uh, last Friday they had found him unconscious. He was in the restroom. He suffered a severe brain aneurysm. So, um, when we did arrive to the hospital last Friday, we were told that, um, he was basically brain dead and that there was nothing that they could do because unfortunately they don't know how long he was down under for. So at that point, the ventilators were just keeping him alive. So we, um, came to the decision. He had, um, he has his kids, which is my beautiful nephew, Pooh, Maximo and Vanity. And we allowed them to make that decision because that was their dad. So we gave um, him the 72 hours. So we were um, supposed to arrive back on Monday and literally, you know, as you as a trainer, I let my clients know 
not out of sympathy, but just so they can know that, hey, I'm just on guard, like trying to figure it all out. And they were very understanding. But just real quick, so people can know, like that way you guys can learn as well. We had to wait till Monday. So we all arrived Monday. I got there about, we were going to pull the plug about 5 p.m. So I arrived to uh, San Antonio Hospital around 3.30, and I just wanted to spend some time with him, an hour by myself, speak life and just thank him for, you know, what he did for me and stuff. And 5 o'clock came, and we were told we weren't going to pull the plug. And we were all like, you know, your emotions are just everywhere at that point. It turned out that um, when he renewed his license, he decided to be an organ donor. Mm. So we had to run tests. So it turned out that his organs were going to be able to get donated. So we were told that we just have to wait on call for the call. So we got the call on Wednesday while I was at the gym at 11 a.m. that, hey, we're going to pull the plug at 4 p.m. So then real quick, finish up the workout, was heading home, get another call. Unfortunately, the people that are receiving the kidneys, their team's not ready till Friday. So sorry, cancel. Mm-hmm. So uh, just a little backstory. Yeah, it's been an emotional week. Um just kind of just waiting for the ultimatum because, you know, we knew at the end of the day um, nothing was changing on his health. There was no improvement. So he had mentioned it plenty of times that he didn't want to be in a vegetable state. And if God forbid anything ever happened to not let him be in that state. So, yeah, just like I said, um, I wanted to come on here and I wanted people to know it's just like to honor him and just to show people it, it's I'm human. I, I cried. Um, My emotions are still everywhere. I think I'm still like trying to process it. Um, the whole week was just fog, and I mm-hmm. call it a fog because if anybody's ever dealt with it, they're they're gonna totally understand. But yeah, thank you for bringing that up. And like I said, I'm just happy to honor him and to be inspired, like inspire other people to let them know that you know life is hard at the end of the day, and yeah. with the holiday and everything. So it's it's hard, but it's empowering at the same time to have the strength to just sit here and being able to do the interview and get the story out there to let others share. Yeah. And uh, you and I, we are believers. So may mm-hmm. God be with him and, and you. with you and your family during this time. Thank you. I appreciate yeah, it. I appreciate it. Um, so um, I do want to segue um, out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to touch on today's topic, which yes. is your story, your personal mm-hmm. story. Um, you have had a incredible weight loss transformation mm-hmm. of 130 pounds yes and, naturally yeah naturally mm-hmm. and looking at you today you would never guess that you were in the 280s mm-hmm. which is insane like yes. for me i am 6'3 mm-hmm. and i was overweight myself and the <laughs> highest i've ever got was like 260 mm-hmm. <laughs> 6'3 yes. you know and so um, when I was looking at your Instagram mm-hmm. and I was seeing those before pictures of you, yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, like she is a brand new person. <laughs> like it's incredible. Yes. And so uh, before we even touch on the crazy transformation, mm-hmm. I do want to touch on your, your past mm-hmm. because you were an athlete. Yes. So I want to talk about when that, um, weight gain kind of happened mm-hmm. and where it kind of stemmed from and then yeah. how we kind of got into the weight loss, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, because so, so go ahead and tell people like um, what you did growing up. So for many people who don't know, but if you know, my cousins call me the prodigy of Laverne. Um, I was known for goalkeeping to this day and I played soccer for 24 years. Mm-hmm. I um, played throughout um, high school. I actually even played in college. I got a full ride out to Missouri Valley, private Christian university. And then I came back. And after I was done with college, I ended up playing semi-pro. And in 2018, we actually won the um, Southern 
California state championship, which for semi-pro, that's the biggest thing that you can win, going back to the Natural Olympia. Mm-hmm. Same thing for soccer. So it, it was um, it was awesome to be able to like do that. Keep in mind, I was always like thicker, thick my whole life. So it was just really never, um, I was really never thin. Like I think the only time that I was ever like skinny, skinny, was um, we did a, I decided to have a quinceanera last minute, you know, mm-hmm. Hispanics. My mom was like, you want a quinceanera? I said, no. And the reason I say this story is like, I decided to do keto. I don't know what I was thinking. It was like 2006 and my cousin had did keto. So I hit him up and I'm like, hey, Hondo. He's like, what's up, prima? It's like, hey, how do you do it? He's like, what are you trying to do? I was like, hey, um, I just need to lose weight because like I have a quinceanera, you know, and I didn't want to be like the thick quinceanera. Like you didn't want to be that. So I... Um, was eating an uh, apple and a banana in the morning and then just straight like keto for the rest of the day, yeah. like meat, cheeses and stuff. I lost 50 pounds mm-hmm. for the quinceanera, but I lost all my muscle. Mm-hmm. So going back to soccer, I was like, wait, like I get on the field and I was known for ramming people down. Like you see those Instagrams, goalies taking out people, I would take them out. Like mm-hmm. you knew not to get into Laura's box because if you got into Laura's box, there's a price to pay. And when I lost all that weight, like the keto, it was like, oh my God. Like, I can't hit people. People are hitting me down. Like, I'm taking hits and I'm not used to it. So I was just like, oh, wow. Like, okay, this sucked. Like, all right, let's go back to Thick Laura because Thick Laura could could play better. But yeah, like, basically, like, my whole life, I played soccer. Um, I played for, like, different um, local clubs. I played adult soccer. And um, I was always thick, but it never stopped me. Like, I have videos of me flying across the goal people are like that's not you literally like just throwing myself across the goal and I was known places like you know when you walk in like you I've told you my fan moment like (laughs) at the Olympia you don't remember I was like yeah I was like all excited I wanted a a picture with you and to me like you were like I you were like a big icon you know and that's for me was like let me get a picture with them so that's how I was known in soccer like when I walked in like oh they already they're pointing yeah and then being thick if you, you didn't know me, you would think that I didn't know how to play. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, like, está gordita. I heard that all the time. Like, in Spanish, oh, she's fat. Like, straight up. Like, oh, está gordita, no sabe jugar. And I'm like, okay. Then I, I no hablo. Like, in, in soccer, I was always told, don't talk. Just just play. Yeah. Let your talent like, speak for me. itself. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then next thing you know, boom, I'd make the save. And they'd be like, oh, wow. Si, ella sabe jugar. And then... Uh, next thing you know it after the game these coaches are coming and asking me to play with them and i'm like bro like you don't you think like i'm i know i'm americanized but i understand spanish like yeah. i just heard i tell them in spanish i heard you talking crap about me yeah. right before the game like and basically saying that i'm fat like okay you call me fat but it don't matter but yeah so going back i played soccer and i loved it um i was just always a thick one like you know when the uniforms would come I'd be a little tight, you know, Asa League. I'd be like all tight and stuff. And my, I would always tell my mom, mom can, can you ask the coach if I could just use like a plain jersey? She'd be like, why me? Because like I didn't feel comfortable mm-hmm. because I was always thicker and the jerseys were tight. So like growing up, I was always thick, but not like overly big because my cousins would always be like, you never looked your way. I held a lot of muscle, mm-hmm. but I was just always thick. Mm-hmm. Like looking back, like all my pictures, other than the quinceanera, that was probably like the only time that I was like skinny, skinny. And honestly, it looked like if I was sick, if you would look like at the picture, because in six months I lost like 50 pounds. And it wasn't your genetic either. No. Like you're fighting against your own genetics. Yes. Yes. And um, looking back at it now that like I was looking back, it's like it was just a lot of what we ate. You mm-hmm. know, we're Hispanics. Like 
fried fried uh, tacos, fried tostadas, chilequiles, uh, fried eggs. Like everything's just carbs on carbs on carbs, huevos uh, with papas y tortillas. And I'm like, looking back at it, and then hot pockets, uh, yeah. Kodak bars. Like so, looking back, I was always like the thick one. But since I was such a great athlete, I didn't. It didn't affect me at that time. Right. Being other than a little bit of like. I was not unconfident, but I just didn't like the way my clothes would fit snug. Mm -hmm. And I think anybody can agree to that. That's like, you know, your thickness, you're like, oh, it's like, that feels a little bit tight. Right. And I could never fit into the the joggers, the warm-ups. Yeah. And like, real quick, like now like I'm able to fit into them, so that's a big accomplishment. But just going back, so everybody could tell, I was never able to fit into my college warm-ups. Like they were always tight. Like I would have to <laughs> sag them and my mom would be like, hey, why are you sagging them? And I'm like, mom, you just don't know. And I have thick thighs, but I was just like, mom, you know something's like, yeah, like they just don't fit. So like basically, yeah, I was, um, I played soccer and I, I loved it. Like honestly, I say to this day, that was my first love. And my room is covered in trophies um, with the World Cup going on right now. I'm just, I'm excited for it all. But yeah, soccer taught me everything about life. It taught me goalkeeping position. Um, is the hardest position to play on the field. Mm -hmm. So coming back to like how you're saying, like how strong I am, a lot of it was learned through soccer. There you go. You you have to be able to step on the field and when they score that goal, you have to be able to switch. And I, I use that a lot now, switch, switch over. So like, hey, they just scored, but I can't let myself down. Even with my youth program, I have to t talk to the kids. It's all mental. So going back at it, um, thinking soccer helped me a lot with the whole bodybuilding and the whole mindset, because at the end of the day, we know it's all mindset. So yeah, I was an athlete a whole lot, my whole life, and um, playing soccer actually helped me transition with the whole bodybuilding and stuff like that. Um, but I didn't start, so 2016, I know you were asking like when I started noticing like the, the weight gain, it was actually in 2016, that's when I was officially diagnosed with endometriosis. Mm -hmm. um, I was really sick. It was a trip. I had graduated from college in 2015 from Cal State LA, you know, and I was like the first college graduate. And it was like a huge moment. Like June, I was thinking about getting into law school. Like me and my mom were like looking at schools and it was just like a proud moment for me. And I was just like on a high, you know, like yeah. I call it the high. I was on cloud nine. So that summer I was still working at Vons and the goal was to, hey, let's get you out of Vons and get you into the workforce and then start looking at what college you wanted to go for law because I wanted, at that time, I wanted to become a lawyer. And um, as we started transitioning, it was actually June, July that I started getting really horrible cramping and just pain, like pain that it would cause me to pass out. Like I remember like one Easter, we I just got home from work and I literally was in so much pain that I just passed out on luckily it was by my bed wow. and I was like this is not right you know so that's when I started noticing and I was still trying to go to the gym still trying to work out but I would just notice like my stomach would get swollen like mm -hmm. and I look like no lie like I was nine months pregnant and there was no way that I was pregnant at the time like I was not sexually active so it was like it was alarming because it's just like and obviously waking up with a flat stomach and then looking nine months pregnant so it was June July August and then finally September I got my first gig, like my first job, like, oh, hey, like, this is a, it's going to be a good job. And then I remember I walked into uh, the new job and the lady's like, hey, hon, are you pregnant? And that moment just 
to this day, like, what the hell? It's like, there's something wrong. So I I go to my mom and I was like, mom, she's like, what? I was like, mom, like, I just don't feel good. Like my stomach is hurting. I'm in pain. Like, I just feel like somebody's just stabbing me in like my stomach. And then she's like, what me has? Like, I just don't feel good. And then she's like, all right, go to the doctors. So we go to the doctors and I'm back and forth with doctors. They're drawing blood. Finally, I got to the point to where like, you're a guy, but like, and I think people need to know endometriosis causes you to hemorrhage. So there was months on end that I was on my period for two months at a time. And I'm like a healthy, like 24 year old girl, like just graduated college, like just about to start life. Mm -hmm. And all this just hit. And I was like, wait, what the hell? So I was like, I was, I was losing faith at that point. I was like, God, like I did everything you ever asked me. Like, I'm a good person. Like I'm making my mom proud. I'm making my family proud. Like why me? Why me? And I kept asking why, why? Finally, an amazing doctor in Laverne and him and the nurse, I said, I always say to this day, they saved my life. I went to him because another doctor told me that I was crazy. I walked in and he, I walked in and I was like, Hey sir, like, you know, this and this is happening. Like, I don't feel good. And he's just like, oh, you're just fat. Like, you're just big. Like, you need to lose weight. And I'm like, no, like, I'm telling you, like, I don't complain. Like, if I'm telling you I'm in pain, I'm in pain. He's like, oh, well, maybe you should just go see, like, a psychologist. Maybe you just need some medication. And God forbid this word, but I straight out told him F off, and I walked out of the office. And I was, like, at that point losing hope. So I got to this new doctor's. I was, like, I called insurance. I was like, I don't want this doctor. They're like, okay, we'll send you to this. So I went to this new doctor, and I broke down to him crying, like, I I don't know what to tell you, sir. And like, it was crazy because my blood work was coming back normal, except for my um, blood levels were low, but it was because I was hemorrhaging. So I was um, anemic, like borderline anemic Mm -hmm. because of all the blood. Yeah, so at that point, the doctor's like, let me just send you over to an OBGYN. And then my cousin's wife, I was telling her what was happening. She's like, you know what? Go to this doctor and tell him that you think you have endometriosis and ask him to test you for it. So I went to that doctor and it was a Friday and they found cysts. So the doctor's like, these cysts, if they rupture, they can like get you really sick. Like we need to do surgery on Monday. And I was like, oh crap. And then they're like, oh, it's gonna be like a $1,500 deductible or something like that. And I was like, I was a college student, a broke college student. Like I didn't have much money. Like I was on financial aid. And I was like, what? I was like, like, like I was like suffering at that point. I thought that was the worst thing I ever was gonna experience in life. So I'm suffering. I go to my godfather and I'm crying, like just crying to him. And he's like, what's wrong? And I was like, I need 1,500 for this surgery. Like, I feel like I'm dying. And he's like, Mija, you don't need to cry. Like, don't worry, like here, do you want me to write you the check or do you want me to go to the bank? So I remember he went to the bank that Monday I got the surgery and they found endometriosis and it had spread. So it's almost like a webbing, like a cancer and it spreads throughout all your organs and it was stage four. So that was the reason why I had so much pain that it started fusing the inside of the lining of my stomach. And they said that they were lucky they found it at that point that they found it because if not, it could have left me permanent damage to not only my ovaries, but to my bladder and everything. Like, and it was like, if you look at the photos, it looked like white webs, that's what they call it. And then it's blisters. So imagine you get a blister on your ankle and it hurts. So imagine hundreds of blisters in that area. And, and for uh, for people who for people who don't know the stage mm-hmm. four, when it spreads like that, and it's on other organs. Like if they test that tissue, it's mm-hmm. tissue from your you know yeah. your ovaries pretty yeah. much basically. And those cells are spreading exactly. Mm-hmm. So it was crazy, like you said, because it's now not only the ovaries that it normally attacks; it's attacking it's attacking Everywhere. everything. Wow! And since it was stage four, 
they had to do three surgeries in order to clean it out and to get control. And unfortunately, I was left with permanent damage, nerve damage. So there's days that I could wake up and I my sciatica is just gone because of the permanent damage. Like it got to the point like that they almost had to put a pacemaker in my butt locks. I'm not going to lie in the butt locks because the pain was so bad that they needed to control the nerves. So they were going to actually enter it like towards the butt locks and then bring it through like the bottom of your spine. There's like little holes. They were going to put the wires through that, then bring it to the front and help the pelvic floor yeah. because the pelvic, the pelvic floor was completely damaged. And I remember like going back to like I play soccer and the doctor's like, yeah, like if you do this, like you can't play soccer for the rest of your life. Like you cannot be able to play goalie because if you fall and keep breaking it, we just have to keep re putting new ones in. Like it got to the point that he had told me that if we put this pacemaker in, that you have to actually, um, you're gonna have to actually stop playing soccer. And then if you ever go into like an airport or something, like you have to switch it off and all this stuff. And I was like, wait, like what the heck? Like, mm -hmm. so I noticed then that the weight started going up around that even after the surgery like I think I just my body was taking like a huge toll from everything that was happening and the disease like nobody really knows about it like now it's finally getting the light that it needs to but like you know you you go and tell somebody hey I have cancer like oh they'll come over to your house they'll bring you food they'll start a GoFundMe for you but you tell somebody you have endometriosis they're like oh you, you can learn to live with it but it's almost as bad as a cancer mm -hmm. so it was like a more of a mental thing I got stuck for a minute like Having to accept it, like to know, like, gosh, I have this disease that there's never going to be a cure for it. And the only thing we can do is basically try to maintain it. And then I'm going to have to have surgery every seven to eight years. So I actually should be due for a surgery coming up where I'm going to have to go get, I have to get body scans done twice a year to make sure that it's not attacking the organs. Wow. Yeah. So it was, it was a trip, but that's when I kind of started noticing that kind of like 2016, like, the weight started going up, but it wasn't like that bad. You know what I mean? I was still eating somewhat healthy, still playing soccer. And like I told you, when I played soccer, I wasn't like overweight. I just felt thick, like, yeah. you know? But I noticed like around that time was like when my weight, and I think looking back, it was just, I was losing a lot of hope. I was losing a lot of faith until I found that doctor. Cause a lot of people going back to like mental health, like we were talking right before the podcast, a lot of people, I had to join a support group because my family didn't know what was going on. I couldn't go speak to my mom like, hey mom, like she was loving and caring, but she didn't know, like she didn't have the answers and it's not her fault. Like this disease was as new to her as it was to me. Right. So I, I joined support groups and during that support group, one of the girls, and I would call her, you call her your, your endo sister, she took her own life. But that's just to show the people, and that's another reason when I came on this with you, I wanted to like let people know, like research endometriosis. And if you have a friend, check in on them. Yeah. Ask them how they're doing. Ask them if they need food one day. Like, because it just, it's a lot of emotions and it, and it affects your whole body. Your, it causes 80%, like I was telling you, fatigue. But yeah, like it's, and that's when, when the, the girl took her life, that touched home because like she became a part of my family. Like we knew each other on, on the support group, but it was like, you become like a sisterhood, a brotherhood, just like bodybuilding, mm -hmm. just like my soccer friends. Like I have friends that I've known since fifth grade that are still my best friends. You know what I mean? Yeah. From soccer. So yeah, it, it, it's crazy. Cause that's, I think when I started noticing like the switch over and like everything that just started taking a toll on the body and the mental. And then on top of that, look, 
like it's it's the stress hormone that that starts to get triggered right mm-hmm. so your cortisol levels start to rise mm-hmm. when cortisol levels rise your your testosterone levels start to drop and then your hormones get all thrown off and then that makes weight gain happen even faster mm-hmm. and so you're fighting not only your endometriosis but now you're fighting your own natural hormones that are getting uh yes. set for a twist and on top of that you're probably not sleeping as well because now mm-hmm. you're fighting this you can't sleep because you're in pain mm-hmm. which also throws everything for a twist when you're when your sleep is is out of whack mm-hmm. and so it's almost like this domino effect that starts to happen within your body and it's just it's just wreaking havoc yes physically and mentally Mm -hmm. in in all aspects of life and and how old are you during this time so i was in like my 20s like Mm. i said i was just thriving like i told you like i i worked so hard not because nothing like going to college playing soccer playing semi-pro it was never forced and that's why i think i loved it but like i was like thriving like my life I should have been starting law school and I was supposed to be doing all this and no instead I was like going to doctors three different doctors each week um I would like literally just leave one doctor and then like come out and my brother-in-law would be like what's wrong it's like oh they want me to do a pacemaker and he's like Laura that's a big deal and I'm like I'm just like I know but like I don't know what what else to think like I just need to leave faith I need to keep going and then I'd go to another doctor And then they're like, oh, you need to do this. And in between this, I was still working. I was still needed bills to pay. You know what I mean? So my body was fighting against itself. My body was going to war with itself. And then, like I said, I think the the craziest part was knowing that, like, I was just hemorrhaging because I thought, like, what if I just wake up one day and I just like bleed bleed to death out yeah yeah and and that's what i was like dude this is like serious and and i was angry and i was angry at the fact that we live in a society where they don't let people know what endometriosis is and i feel that like it should be more information out there and people should have more sympathy towards people who have it like Mm -hmm. i told my friends like i don't need you to baby me but like look into it and i have some friends that looked into it and then they messaged me and like hey laura how you feeling today da, 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 da. is it one of your spoon days like you know they see you need an extra spoon meaning like your energies are low or i have like my best friend that would like just text me she's like what's wrong i was like i'm just exhausted like oh let me bring you home over food like my godparents would just like stop by bring me tortilla soup or something because at this point like i was still like like i said my stomach was was huge and then the surgeries were so much pain like and then they're just cutting everything up so even though i don't have like big cuts and then i'm on top of this i have a c-section cut because they had to reconstruct the full ovaries wow so i was at like told at one point that i might not even be able to have babies Mm -hmm. because of the ovary the cyst taking over the ovaries so when the cyst took over the ovaries the doctor wasn't sure if he was gonna be able to salvage my ovaries so when i did go into surgery I was told that I was going to wake up and then there was going to be a possibility that my ovaries were removed and I wouldn't be able to have any kids. So I remember waking up from surgery and I asked, are my ovaries here? And then the doctor looked at me and she's like, yeah. And I just had like a moment and just like happy tears, like, Mm -hmm. because like that's your womanhood. You know what I mean? That's like, you know, you have your family. We're just talking how much it's amazing to have your own family. And so like at the end of the day, it's like you want to go to college, you want to graduate and you want to be successful to raise your family and to know that like there was a possibility even to this day because I've yet to try that I might not be able to have kids because of this disease. So it took a toll like with everything. Did uh did the doctors mention what possibly could have caused it, or if they do they have any idea? Genetics. Wow. Genetics, and it, it's a trip because going back to the part that I told you in the beginning as well, like I was always frustrated, like not angry, but just frustrated. Like I was a healthy kid, like playing soccer. Like I would literally like 
while people were out partying, I would be in my backyard throwing tennis balls, catching to get my hand-eye coordination faster. I would get ladders, cones. Even at one point, I remember stacking like cans, like, you know, cans, and I would just like run through them. And But that was, that's what I would do. Like, I was always just being active. And even though I wasn't like skinny, I was still like in good condition. Like even my coaches would always say, your, your feet work is fast because I was always practicing. So I always was like, I was frustrated like with everything. I'm like, I'm a healthy person. I was in college, and when I was in college, I lost a little bit of weight, like got a little slimmer during season because you wake up at 6 a.m., you go to keeper training. Then right after that, you go eat, you go back to conditioning. Then after conditioning, you practice. So like going back to the fact that like, I was always like moving and healthy. So knowing that like, gosh, genetics caused this, like not even something that I did caused it. It wasn't like that I was out partying, out doing crazy stuff that is making me, you know, feed the disease but it was just frustrating to know that like I basically I became like I can't say the word victim but I got a disease that the Lord tested my faith so Mm -hmm. like going back to getting diagnosed in the surgery I remember like right after the surgeries after the third one I after going to the support group and stuff and I, I made a decision with myself that day I said I'm either gonna fall victim to this or I'm gonna be the warrior Mm -hmm. and so um I went that night and my mom was, rest her soul, she was pissed. I went because I just had like three back-to-back surgeries, whatever. I went to the tattoo parlor (laughs) and I told him, he's like, what do you want? And I was just like, "Um, put God is within her, she will not fall. And I have that right here. And I put, it has a bird and then it has a cross. And I put that there because I told myself I was never going to fall victim to this disease. Mm-hmm. And after seeing that lady take her life, I never had that come across my mind. But it was just reality sinks in. Like, this thing can drive you nuts. So I went to the tattoo place. I came home all happy. My mom was pissed off because she's like, Mija, you just had surgeries. Like, you shouldn't be having tattoos. But for me, it was a moment that I said I had to do it. And that's what keeps me going. And I, I look at it. Constant reminder. Mm-hmm. And I have it right here. So when I'm having a bad day, something, I just look over at it. And I always like, people always ask me, well, who's she? That's me. And they're like, what do you mean fall? And then I'm like, at a grocery store, like trying to pick out a birthday cake for my nephew. Like, I don't want to go into the full story. Like, (laughs) if you want, go to my Instagram. You can watch my story there. But yeah, like, it's just something like that. But it's just a reminder. And um, with that type of disease, it's just like I said, you have to put put it in your mind that you're not going to fall victim to it. And there's a lot of adversity that you have to overcome with the disease itself. Yeah. And it's constantly fighting you, like I told you. And that's some days you don't know, like, because I could just wake up one morning and a flare up happen. And that's it. And I have no control over it. And that was just the first disease you got diagnosed with. Yes. So let's talk about the second one. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, right? Mm -hmm. So let's go ahead and go into that. So the the lupus. Yes. So when did did you get diagnosed with that? That one was shortly after the endometriosis. I um, kept getting like right in here, like the thyroid kept swelling. Mm -hmm. And it was like to the point that where I couldn't breathe. And I'd go to the doctors and they're like, what's wrong? They're like, and it was crazy because they would take my oxygen level is fine. So at first they thought it was my asthma. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I can't breathe. Like it's it's like, and they would touch and it'd be all swollen. And then it would, um, the reason I, I started noticing, I started getting like a red rash. Mm-hmm. And it was embarrassing that I would wake up. On your cheeks. On my cheeks, mm-hmm. all over my face, a red rash. And then my mouth would just have like sores all over, like flare up, like red. And it would be so like painful that I couldn't eat. 
like I would force food in me and like just to eat because you have to eat. Yeah. But I remember just like even basic like rice, if it touched the top of my like top of my mouth, it would hurt. And I was like, wait, why do I keep getting these blisters? Like, you know, like they're testing me for everything at this point, just to be safe. Nothing else is coming back. And they're like, wait, what? what's going on? And then I told my doctor I was getting the rash and then just severe migraines like migraines like out of this world like I can't even tell you like to the point that like I wear sunglasses a lot because sometimes the light just like hurts it so then that's when they found out that it was the lupus and then we noticed um there is like if you look in the the history of like endometriosis a lot of patients who have endo have higher chances of developing lupus wow. so going back again so just it's genetic. almost so it's almost like a domino effect that mm -hmm. kind of happens with with the two yes and not everybody will get both, but unfortunately the Lord loves to test me and he said, here's another one. So at that point I was just like, okay, I got through endometriosis. So now I have this one. And honestly, I, I didn't tell my family about the lupus for a while because I didn't want them to worry. Like I didn't want them to worry. So I honestly kept it to myself for a good minute and like, I just didn't want them to worry because, you know, at this point, like, I would see my mom and she would see, be suffering because she would see me suffering. And you as a father, you know that. Like, mm -hmm. you know, my mom, like I was telling you, she was very loving. So it was like, I just couldn't. Like, I had to be happy to make her happy because I didn't want her to see me suffer because I didn't want her to suffer because that's just the type of person I am. So, like, even with the lupus, like, being diagnosed with that, I just wanted – um. I just kept saying, I, I have to beat this. I have to just learn to control it. Like, I have to do this for my mom. At that point, I was fighting for her because I was like, if I just let my whole life go and just let, you know, I, at this point, I was gaining a little bit of weight, but I was still doing a little bit of the gym, still playing soccer, still moving around. I was just like, I need to live for her. Like, I'm living for my mom because she, if something happens to me, my mom's going to die. And that's what I would think, like, you know, I'm 24 years old, like, I should be out, like, partying, vacationing. My friends are, like, taking trips to, like, uh, Hawaii. They're taking trips to Rosarito. They're taking trips over here. And not that I'm seeing poor Laura, but I'm over here paying. I went into debt, actually. Yeah. I went into debt because of my disease. Yeah. Over $10,000 in medical bills. So for people who don't know, mm -hmm. um, because you're only the second person I've ever known who has lupus. Mm -hmm. um, so... It, I'm not sure if it's just really that rare or if people just don't want to talk about it if they do end up having it. But what is lupus and how does it affect you in your day-to-day -day life? So it is like basically like everybody lists it differently, but it's like basically an autoimmune disorder. Mm -hmm. And it can be controlled. Like if you learn like a certain diet, it might work for me. It might not work for you. But mm -hmm. you, everybody, you kind of have to learn your body. And it's crazy because if it doesn't flare up, you're fine. But when it flares up, it flares up and it can cause like going back to the rash it can cause the um migraines it can cause um like swelling of the joints so like for instance playing soccer 24 years i always dove to the right because everybody shoots to the right there's some days i wake up and like my hip and my knee are like completely stiff like where i have to like bend over and like pull manually pull yeah, with your hands pull my my leg up and it, usually i'm noticing that my lupus flares up around my endometriosis when the time of the month's gonna come mm. so it like domino back to the domino effect so now you have endo pain your women you're starting your period and then all of a sudden your lupus is flaring up so it's like at that point you're just trying to like you know control it and then if anything i don't i don't believe in like narcotics i don't believe in painkillers like if i'm taking it i have to be in severe pain to take it so like at that point i just take like um 
maybe a Tylenol and stuff. And it's not even that it's really going to help, but it's just a somewhat I, so I can think clearly. Mm-hmm. Because if not, like my mind's just like thought on the, the pain. And then it was trippy because going back to the lupus and the endo, it would cause um, my blood pressure to go through the roof. So when I'd go to the hospital, they would rush me to the, po- the back and start doing EKGs on me mm-hmm. because they're thinking I'm having a heart attack. Yeah. But it's because lupus and endo cause, causes all that pain. And your, yeah, your body's under so much stress. Yes. And so it's just like more of a painful and like honestly a ticking time bomb because you don't know when the bomb's going to go off. Mm-hmm. And it's just learning to live with it, but then just having to live in the unknown each day because like even being healthy sometimes it's like a kick in your face when the, it flares up. Yeah. So it's just like one of those things and it's it's really hard at the end to look back at it like oh it causes this it causes that but it's also empowering to learn like you're learning more about your body you're learning how strong you are you're learning that you can do this and a lot of people like can't take simple pain like you know somebody breaks their leg and they're like oh my god it hurts like i dislocated my shoulder and i was perfectly fine like i wasn't even crying or nothing my cousin's like my cousin was practically crying for me he's like what the hell like (laughs) But that's to give you an example what endo and lupus causes pain. So you your pain leverance, like you'd be at a 10 probably crying, and I would still be smiling at mm-hmm. a 10. And the only way you would know that I had that much pain, because my blood pressure would go up. Mm. So then at that point with the lupus, they would have to, um, going back to the swelling, I would get injected with steroids to try to get the swelling, swelling. to come down. Yeah, because um, lupus can attack like certain organs. So like for it can cause the closing of your throat. If it goes in, it can attack like your kidneys and stuff like that. So you're always wanting to keep an eye on it. And that was the reason I told you earlier that I get like two body scans like a week, like each year. And if there's something that's a little bit off, the doctor will go through and get more testing done just to make sure. But like because of the lupus and the endo, I always have to get tested and just to make sure that everything's looking the same. Because at any point, a flare up can cause permanent damage if it's not stopped in time. Yeah. (sighs) <sighs> man <laughs> yeah that's insane um so as you're going through this obviously you're fighting two diseases now and are you kind of putting fitness on the back burner now yes so at that point i was because for like a cool minute i was working which out. is also very understandable mm-hmm. right like i hope you're not kicking yourself in the butt for doing that either because yeah. it's very understandable yeah, so at that point, like I said, fitness was just going into, like, the back burn because, like, at that point, I just was trying to stay sane, like, mentally. Yeah. So for me, it was just, like, go to work, go play soccer because soccer was always my outlet. And that's why I tell people, like, soccer saved my life. Like, so it would, it would always just be soccer and that. And then I used – prior to that, um, like I said, I was, like, never fit fit, but I was, like, in decent shape for a good minute after college. Um, so I would was going to the gym, but, yeah. I noticed looking back, like I just started like slowly just stopped going. And then I would eat very clean because when I did get diagnosed with the endo and the lupus, I noticed if I kept my diet clean, it would help the inflammation levels. So I did kind of started eating a little bit clean, but with everything that was going on, there was just some days that I had no appetite. Like Mm -hmm. you're in so much pain that you just like literally have the energy to go to work go to work and then come home and then like you're a gentleman and I meant this is just the reality of it but like there's minutes that like I would have to run to the restroom at work just to change so I wouldn't go through and that's embarrassing like you can ask any woman and I'm pretty sure anybody out there like that's what you always fear when you're on the time of your month that you're going to go through so yeah like the lupus and the endo was so bad that it was like causing all that and I remember there's times at my soccer games that at halftime 
I would have to run to the restroom just to change to make sure that I wouldn't go through. And keep in mind, it's only 30-minute halves because it was like Mexican leagues. So like usually it's 45-minute halves. So it's 30-minute halves. So imagine that, just 30 minutes and then having to run to the restroom and run back. Wow. Yeah, so it was crazy. And I was like to the point where sometimes I didn't even want to spend the night at somebody's house, like a friend's house. Right, because you're embarrassed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so that's like I struggled. And like I said, I just played soccer and just threw like kind of fitness to the back. Like I just was more focused like – just trying to stay happy at that point like and soccer was making me happy like it, it had my happy moment and stuff like that so as you're going through these, these months and years you end up hitting your heaviest weight ever mm-hmm. of 280 yeah 285 Two, 285 and yeah. how tall are you five five and five six on a good day <laughs> yeah i always tell people five 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 six on a good day but yeah, yeah. Like, not too tall, not too short. You know what I mean? Like, average height, I guess, for a woman, they were saying. But, yeah. Um, and it was crazy, two, 285. And it was a trip because I knew it was bad when my soccer clothes no longer fit. Because remember, I was telling you, they would fit tight. But at this point, like, I couldn't even pick up my shorts. My jerseys, keep in mind, you're a guy, so what size do you wear? Uh, I'm XL. XL. Yeah. Okay, so imagine me in an XL, but like my stomach out to here. Yeah. Like that's when I was like, wait. And then I was like, wait, like this leather jacket that like zipped up like six months ago, it's not zipping up. These flannels, because I was always a big fan of flannels, the flannels weren't buckling. Jeans, size 24. They weren't going past up my knees. Like it got to the point to where I would just wear all black and leggings. Mm-hmm. And leggings because, like, you know, they, they don't, it's okay. Like, it's like uh, they're not too tight. And then another thing, too, with the endometriosis, like I told you, it causes you to have a flare-up. So you look like you're nine months pregnant. So sometimes wearing jeans, like my jeans can go on in the morning, and then afterwards they won't fit no more, not because of me, but just to give you an example, because my stomach flares up. Right. So, yeah, so I just didn't, couldn't fit into the clothing. And then I noticed during that time, the 285, I started getting injured a lot in soccer. And before, I really didn't have many injuries. Oh, so injuries. you were still playing. Yeah, I was still diving and everything. And I wasn't, like, I remember I would dive. And to get back up, it was like a mission in itself. Like, it was a workout in itself. And then I remember, like, I was just out of breath a lot. And I was like, this is not, like, this is not good. Like, Laura, like, you're young. And then my endo and my um, lupus was flaring up out the door like I was in the hospital once every three months getting then, those steroids and then all the extra weight on your knees and mm-hmm. your joints along with the inflammation yes. and the flare-ups it, it was it was crazy like and it, it was a reality check mm-hmm. like like reality because like my body just felt like uh like it was shutting down at that point like it just hurt like it hurt to be alive like meaning your body was just constant pain and like I said it was just at that point like I was 285 like, and, and like you had mentioned, like everything was at the back burner at that point, like life hit hard and, but it was a reality, a wake up call because I was like, if I continue this, the, it, my family is going to end up burying me sooner or later. Right. Because like going back with the lupus and the endo, if you don't control it, it can attack vital organs and it can make it like to the point to where like you're basically, like I said, the stomach lining and stuff. So yeah, basically it got to that point. And um, as mentioned before, so this was like 2020 when that happened. And like I was telling you guys, um, it was 2016 when I started noticing the weight gain. 
2018 was um, New Year's Day. Um, we got a call. I was out at a friend's house, New Year's Eve, you know, and I got a call because I, my mom always taught me, if you're going to go out on New Year's, stay where you're at because you might not be driving drunk, but there's a lot of drunk drivers. Right. So I stayed at a friend's house and then I get a call about like 930 in the morning and it was a, not even a call. It was a text message. Hey, um, I, uh, mom's not going to make it rush to the hospital. And I was like, what? And then my friend was, she's like, Laura, what happened? Cause she's like, it looked like you just seen a ghost. And I was like, dude, everybody calls my mom, mama Stella. I was like, mama Stella. She's like, what? It's like, mama Stella's not doing good. And she's like, I was like, I don't know. They said she's not going to make it. I, I don't know. Like, I just need to get home. So I remember rushing home to like my house in Laverne. I was in Montclair. Mm -hmm. So it was like less than 10 minutes drive. And I was rushing home. And then when I get home, my comadre met me there. And then she's like, what do we have to do? She's like, what happened? Because I just called her like screaming. Like, I was like, we got to get to the hospital. And then she's like, do you want to go straight to the hospital? I was like, no, we got to get the boys, which are my cousins, because they were close to my mom. And I'll never forget this day. It was New Year's Day 2018. And I was, she's pulling up and I'm in her Tahoe. We're pulling up and I see my godfather and he's like in his truck and he's just bawling. And I'm like, I was like, something didn't feel right. Like my heart was hurting so bad. Like it felt like I was having a heart attack. And I was like, I don't, I, she's, and I didn't tell her because like I said, I'm very quiet with myself. I don't want people to know I'm in pain. So she's like, what's wrong? And I was like, let's just get to the hospital. So I remember I ran into the house real quick. I grabbed a coat and um, we run to the hospital. And then at that point, I was like, why did she drop me off in the front? Because she dropped me off in the front and everybody else went in the car and went to park. I'm like, why, why are they dropping me off? So at this point, I'm confused. I'm like, wait, what, what's happening? And uh, Sandy Miss Hospital, the doors open and uh, my brother-in-law's walking out and he just, you know, he's like, hey, your mom just passed. And I was like, what? And I was like, oh crap. Like, I remember like, just started crying and I was like walking down the hallway and it felt like a, it was like a hundred feet, but it felt like it was a hundred miles. And I'm going and I'm going and my family, my aunt and uncle didn't know at the time that I knew. So they pull me to the side, but I remember just walking. And as I'm walking, like everybody's staring at me and I'm like, what are you guys staring at? Like, like, what are you guys staring at? So my uncle, my aunt pulled me into the room with my other godmother and then they sat me down and they're just like, hey, like your mom passed away. And I was just like, oh crap, like they go, you can go ahead and say like, you know, she's in the room, they're gonna allow you to go in. So just short on briefly on it, um, she started, she broke her femur. Um, and when she broke her femur, she had to have a major eight hour surgery. So she was diabetic. So it really wasn't healing right. Mm. So around the Christmas time during 2017, you know, cause it hadn't been 2018. I was like, she um, was in and out of the, ho the hospitals. And then, um, that night before I had just got back from a soccer tournament. And, uh, I, when I got there, the, the paramedics are driving her off cause she was at home but she wasn't feeling good. She started like um, vomiting and stuff. And during that year, a stomach flu was going around. So we're guessing she might've caught it or she got something, she was just vomiting. Turned out that her kidneys and stuff started failing. So she, they had to put her on dialysis. Mm -hmm. um, they were told because she kept vomiting. So they weren't sure if, sure if it was because of the kidneys or like the flu or whatever to not leave her um, unattended. So the nurse, left my mom and attended and she was on her back and when she went to mm -hmm. vomit um she ended up choking on her own vomit wow yeah so she passed away in 2018 and that 
that was that I could tell you was like to this day was like the worst day of my life and I remember I, I always tell people this I went into survival mode and I knew it and I told myself you're gonna get out of this Laura but right now just survive mm-hmm. and it's okay you're, you're you're gonna survive and 2018 like right after she died I completely stopped going to the gym like completely because my mom when in my house in my backyard her room would be right there so when I was working out in the backyard she would always peek through so like every time I would go try to work out I would think of her and I would just start crying so I just lost like just motivation but at the same time my lupus my endo was flaring up and I was just like okay I need to to survive so fast forward I'm surviving, we do the burial, we do everything. And I have an amazing family, so thank you guys. Like, my support system's amazing, and that's who helped me get through. But like 2019, like we're like, oh, New Year's, like a new year, like, and I didn't wanna hate the holiday, the new year, because my mom, like, my mom didn't raise us that way. So like the first New Year's, like a year after, like low key, like everybody's happy New Year's ringing in the new year, and you're telling me happy New Year's, and it triggers, like, like, what's happy about it that's what I used to think but Mm -hmm. then I was like my mom didn't raise me she wants me to be happy so the 2019 we um my uncles and them were like hey let's go to the horse races like let's let's make a new tradition like let's let's make something out of this like so you know kind of get your mind off things so 2019 hit and we're happy we're like okay happy new year's the worst is behind us like okay we got past 2018 and then about February, I don't know the exact, don't quote me on this, I don't remember the month, but we got a call, and my dad was living in Mexico at the time. So my dad, we get a call, and it was like three in the morning our time. And we're like, what the heck? Like, And my, they were telling us, oh, like, say your last goodbyes, your dad's dying. We're like, what? Like, like I thought it was a dream, and I'm like half asleep, and I'm like, at this point, like I'm emotional, like I'm just crying again. Turned out that um, his lungs started to get like inflamed and stuff, and it collapsed. So um, they weren't sure what was happening. So he's living in Mexico. So long story short, fast forward, he they were able to get him like back to like normal health. We flew him back to here to California because he was originally from here. He was just out there visiting. Mm-hmm. So we brought him back, and then in um, March, April, I remember we went to the doctors because they thought he had cancer, but they weren't sure. So the doctors told us, and I'm working at this time, so I work in sales. So I'm in the operating or in the waiting room while they're doing the operation, and I'm making my sales, doing my invoices and stuff. And then they, um, the doctors like, oh, can we speak to the Guzman family? So they brought my dad out of surgery. And we're, we thought it was weird because we we're like, the surgery's supposed to take like two, three hours, and it took like 45 minutes. So they come back out, and then the guy goes like, oh, like I don't know how to tell you this. Uh, you know, this is probably the worst news you're gonna hear. He's like, unfortunately, your dad's cancer is like incurable, like it's terminal. And then me, my sister, my brother looked at each other and were like, oh, well, that's not the worst news. Like our dad, mom died last year. And I remember like just looking at this guy's face and he wanted to cry, like just looking and we're just like, oh crap, like we're in it for another one. Like here goes another long haul. So then we were told to get the hospice, take him home. And at that point, just kind of just take care of him and make him be feel as comfortable, comfortable as he can. Yeah. So we take him home, and you know we're still dealing with my my like my mom's death, and we're still like just trying to process everything. So take him back home, we start taking care of him. So you know we took turns like my sister would go to work, I would come home and take over, like you know what I mean. So we're back and forth, and then um, slowly but surely, just started just like his health kept going down, and then like the week before he died, it was um, another holiday. It was uh, what is it May? 
Memorial Day, Memorial Day. That weekend, I was supposed to go out with my friends to Mexico, like to Rosarito, and I didn't go. But that day, that week, he was asking for my mom. And he was asking for his mom. So we kind of knew the time was coming. Right. So then he um, he passed away that, that weekend. and But it was difficult. Like, I remember, like, taking care of him. And then he got to the point because the cancer went to his brain where he could no longer, like, like remember. So he was calling us bad names. But he wasn't a bad person. It's just his mind's gone. Right. So, yeah, so that took a lot. And then, like I said, my gain, my weight gain just started going. And then it was 2020 that we go back to Santa Anita and we, we take a picture. And I remember coming home and looking at that picture and I was like, whoa, like, fast forward 2020, like, Laura, you got big. And uh, Girl Gone Fit, I kept the name throughout the whole process, even when, because remember, I was decent shape and then I just left the name. And um, I remember my cousin telling me, oh, you're girl gone fat now. But I remember, I'm like, I'm not changing this name because I'm going to get fit again. So then my journey started with uh, the whole weight loss. And, wow. and at that point, it needed to because in 2020, in the month prior to that, my, my flare-ups were so bad that I was in and out of the hospital, like getting steroids. And I said, if I don't change, it's done. Like my family's going to end up freaking getting a call that they don't want to have to get. And my sister, my brother, they need me. So like, within three four years mm -hmm. endometriosis yeah lupus you lost both parents mm -hmm. like man you, you there's just so much to process there mm -hmm. yeah. like just on my end just you mm -hmm. talking about it like i'm trying to process mm -hmm. and all, I, all I, of this you I'm know i'm still trying to process it's crazy i mean it's barely 2022 yeah. that's not a long mm -hmm. time ago no not at all and it's it's crazy because I seen that photo and I was like, this isn't me. And my mom, when I was in decent shape, when she was alive, she'd always say, oh, at least mija, because my mom had a big, I loved her bonsa, so I'd always rub it for good luck. I always call her my Buddha Buddha, and my sister laughs, but she knows I love it. Like, But my mom was always thick. Like my mom was diabetic, but she was always a thick lady. So like my mom, like even when I wasn't fit, she was like, she would like like my body. She'd always like, oh, like you have such a nice stomach, like compared to, you know, cause she was never. So when I seen my weight, not only my weight, my health, I was like, dude, my mom would not be proud of me. Mm -hmm. And I remember it was 2020 and I remember it was around the winter time. And the reason I'm saying this, because I feel like it's an important part of the story. Um, I went to church. So normally I didn't go to church on Saturday, Sundays cause I was always playing soccer. So it rained. And then I was like, you know what? My family kept telling me, why don't you come to the other church? Cause they're like, soccer is like as a joke church. I was like, why don't you come to the other church? So that day, I was like, you know, I'm gonna go surprise my family because they would go to a church in um, in Claremont. And I was like, I'm gonna surprise them. And I remember I got there late because it was last minute cancellation. So I remember walking in and as I walk in, like my family sitting in the front and stuff. And I was like, sat in the back. And I was like, I didn't wanna go to the front because it had already started. And never forget just that day, uh, the song that came on and I just felt the Lord in me. Like I, I was just in that seat and I was just crying. and. And to me, that was the day because it hurt because I wasn't there to say bye to my mom because I was out partying and like it, it ached me. It was eating away at me. And I was like, that day I felt that she was at peace with me and then I was at peace with her. And I cried and I, I remember like that was my life-changing moment. And that day there was a um, quote that, it, that I read and it doesn't go exactly like this, but it says, I, I promise it's real, just keep praying and go write a story that you can't wait to tell me on the other side. So I vowed 
in Jan um, in January of 2020 that I was gonna I was gonna lose weight and I didn't want to do bodybuilding at the time I just wanted to lose weight to make my mom proud and so that I can create this beautiful story so that when I get to heaven gates she's gonna be able to hear all about it but I know she's watching she shows me her signs all the time but yeah the journey started and that's when the pandemic hit so I got furloughed for my job because mm -hmm. I was selling aviation parts. Mm -hmm. So at that point, I'm just stuck at home. And I was like, kind of January, I slowly started losing a little bit of weight. Like I wasn't focusing, but like I said, I kind of started dialing it back in. I would go to the gym three times a week. So by the time I reached out to my past coach, um, Daniela, I was around April when I messaged her. So I had already lost like 20 pounds by myself because, you know, like a lot of it's just bloat, water weight. Right. So I lost that. And then in April, she started training me at home via zoom just one time a week and then the other days i was just working out or i'd go across the street to the park so it was another empowering moment because i'm like well everybody's like drinking going crazy like i'm taking my health like serious and the weight started coming off mm -hmm. and i i started feeling better about myself like i think like that life-changing moment in the church that clarity like i just felt that like everything was going to be okay and it was a moment that i was like i felt like i was living again and I feel that, like I told you on January, the day my mom died in 2018, I said I was in survivor mode. I was no longer in survival mode. I felt like empowered. And I think that's another thing that helped with my weight loss journey. Because like, if you look back at the photos, I was always smiling. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and then you see little changes like, oh, like that shirt that used to fit tight, it fits now. Or I'd buy like extra large t-shirts, like, and then all of a sudden they they didn't fit no more. But at first I couldn't fit it. I was in two X, you know? Yeah. So when I got into extra large, I was happy. So then slowly but surely it all started dropping, dropping, dropping. And then I just continued my journey. And I was working out at home. I was um following my diet to the T and I was just living life. Like I was feeling good. Um, and just seeing like people being inspired by my story, it, it helped me. Like, and also talking to people. And I, I at that point too, I became more open with it. Like I told people, like I started like telling people how I felt and getting my story out there. And so people thought I was inspiring them, but they were inspiring me at the same time. Yeah. So I was just working out in the backyard, like literally lost the first hundred pounds just in the backyard. Wow. Yeah, and that was just like simple squat rack. We didn't have much, because remember how much the weight equipment went in? And yeah. like quadrupled yes. over the pandemic. Yeah. So we had like really nothing. And then I just remembered like me and my cousins, like they like to work out. So their friends would come because we call it our bubble. So if you're within our bubble, you can come over. And they call it the joke is First Street Gym because I live on First Street. <laughs> so my cousins were like, oh, do you, how much are you charging for membership? So, you know, it was cool because like we're in the backyard, we're working out. And then I'm seeing like weight come down. And then I'm getting, I started getting DMs. Like, so this is like, you know, April, May, June, ready going into the, almost the following year. And I'm like, I'm losing all this weight. People are DMing me like, oh, you're inspiring me. Oh, I see you doing this. Oh, I see you that. So I just kept going with it. And then I lost a good amount of weight. And I was like, you know what? Like bodybuilding, like it, it didn't sound like fun because you got to remember like the, the soccer, the whole soccer shut down. So soccer is what would keep me sane. So I'm right. like, what what do I do? So I got working out and then I'm like, okay, the leagues still haven't opened. Cause at this point they said that the economy is gonna open, then it wasn't. So we're back and forth. So then I remember talking to my coach at that time. And I was like, hey, like, I wanna do a show. And she was just like, and she's like, you know what? Like you're disciplined enough. Like I, she didn't teach, she didn't have no more clients for shows. Like mm -hmm. she just did lifestyle. But she's like, you know what girl? Like I, I'll, I'm gonna take you on and I'm gonna help you because I know that you have the discipline. She goes, usually I'll turn people away, but I, I see that you have the discipline and you proved it to me. So yeah, we, we started like uh, doing, we were aiming for um, 
the NPC at Agua Calientes. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait, like, cool, like, we're going to do this show. And so it helped me, like, stay on track with, like, my food yeah. and everything. And we just started, like, training. And I was just like, wait, like, I'm going to have to step in front of the stage. like In front of people. Yeah, and yeah. keep in mind, I was never wore a bikini. Like, I never was unconscious or self-conscious, but I just never, like, you know what I mean? Like, I never just wore a bikini. So I was like, God damn, like, I'm going to actually step on stage. And then I was like, oh, this is cool. But then I was a little bit nerve wracking. I was like, mm -hmm. and then they're like, it's a huge auditorium. And I was like, oh, my God, like a huge auditorium. <laughs> and then the posing, I was like, oh, my God. And then I was like playing sports. So you're almost like a little tomboy, but you're really not a tomboy. But you don't wear heels all the time because I was right. always in soccer clothes. And then I had to put on, I call them stripper heels. I was like, oh, my God, I got to put these hills on. <laughs> and then I remember, like, you know, at this point, like, we're, there was a chance that the show might not happen right. because of the, the things that are going on. So I was like, crap, like, it's like I'm just going to go, and if it doesn't happen, we'll push for another show. So I remember, like, my family would put on music, and I would come out walking and, like, do the little dance, the walk for them and come <laughs> back. And they were, like I said, they're, I love my family. Like, they're the reason I'm here today, like, encouraging. So they're supporting me, and they're, like, doing all this. And then I was like, cool, like, I went and I stepped on stage and I said, another moment, I was like, I did it. Like, mm -hmm. and at that point, I didn't even want to win. Like, you were talking about your first show. You were just like, yo, I just wanted to just do it. do the best. Yes. Yeah. And like, it was like, and then I remember like sitting backstage and people finding out my story and they were like, wait, what? Like, you lost that much weight and you have no surgery? And everybody would like claim that I had tummy tucks because I have the incision from the endo, mm -hmm. which is kind of like a, a stab in my back. Like you're telling me this is a disease. That's the reason why I have it. Right. So if anything, I shouldn't be having a flat stomach because I was 285 pounds, yet alone with a, a, the incision. So I just remember being backstage and just like getting that vibe, the happy vibe from everybody. And then... um I was like, okay, like finals are that night. And I was like, honestly, like if I, I didn't, wasn't expecting to win. I ended up taking fifth place in my thing. I mean, there was five girls, but fifth place, like, hey, like I had the balls to even step on stage. Yeah. And to walk out with that medal, I just remember like if I look at the video and I'm just like staring up and I'm smiling and I just like, it was like my my moment with my mom. Like this, this was from you. And I would always go to her grave site and just like talk to her. And I put like EG on my my little um i forgot what it's called like the ones we cover up before we go on stage like the ropes the yeah, ropes uh -huh. yeah so i always had her with me and stuff but another thing going back to like the whole grieving thing i remember being backstage that night so like you know you just won and it was like 10 o'clock at night so you hadn't ate you're starving and you know how it is so i was like i was like my family like i had about 20 people show up like they rented out a house Very just cool. to be out there. And I remember like I felt so happy because even like my coach at the time, she's like, Dude, you had a lot of people that showed up. Yeah. Like, and they were all there and they were just proud. And and I was like, cool. So we're backstage, um, making it quick. Uh the girl was like, Congratulations, like we're so proud of you. Like people that I never even knew, like congratulating me, like that they were inspired by me. And I was like, Well, thank you. And then the girl was like, Oh, so your parents waiting for you. So going back to little triggers, so I was like, and I, again, just like the other thing with the grocery store, getting a birthday cake for my nephew, like, I didn't want to have to explain. I was just like, yeah. And I lied. Like, I was like, yeah, they're, they're waiting. But, like, going back to, like, losing my parents and stuff. So it, it always gets still brought up and, like, oh, your parents must be proud. Mm -hmm. Oh, your parents must be this. And it's, like, um, it's, it's trigger points to go back. But it's also a good thing to reflect back to see, like, how far I came and, 
And like people are like, wait, you lost weight at home? And that's why I was like, yeah, you can technically lose weight. And, it, and it's just the diet. Right. And it's and it's just like crazy to think that like even though I was going through all this different stuff, I still stayed on track. And like my family was like inspired by the fact that like, you know, everybody's eating like pizza, drinking beers, and Laura's over here with their meal prep. Yeah. Or Laura's doing this, Laura's doing that. And they were just always shocked. So you were talking about Iron Man, um, the magazine. Yeah. So we were gonna do one show, just like you mentioned. I was gonna do one show, and I'm not gonna lie, I fell in love with it. Like, it was something that I, I felt in love. So I told my soccer friends, like, oh, I'm gonna give up soccer. I'm not officially retiring, but I'm giving it up. So then we found that Iron Man show, and we're like, shit, my coach is like, we could just do it. At the time, I, and I was like, oh, you know what? It's, it'd be kind of cool because it was the day of my birthday. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I was like, oh, but then that means I, I, I was the type of girl that liked to, to celebrate the whole month for my birthday. So here again, the second year in a row, I can't celebrate because I'm on a diet trying to lose weight. So I was like, okay, cool. So I did the show and then I won and I was like, oh, like this is cool. But the best part was, was to be able to tell my story again. Mm -hmm. And I've always felt that like my story should, should be told to, to help as many people as I can. Cause like I told you, I really wish I had people to help me, to guide me, to talk about it. Absolutely. And so I remember like just going on stage and then like saying I was 285 and that, that was the lowest weight I weighed in that morning was 155. And the trippy part about it is um, my mom was born in 1955. <laughs> yes. Wow. So 155, and I was just like, that was her. That's Mama Stella. So that was another, like, great moment because it also opened up many doors for, like, women's health to contact me. Generation Iron, Iron Man Magazine even used a few of my photos on their thing. And so I felt like it was cool because, like, I never wanted like, the limelight to be like, oh, I'm a celebrity, but more of like just to expose and get more people inspired and stuff. So it kind of just started like picking everything up. Like every, yeah. a lot of people are getting inspired. And then it said that I qualified for the Natural Olympia. So my coach is like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, oh, gosh. I'm like, at this point, I'm already, what, like seven, eight months into prep. And yeah. I'm like, oh, gosh. Like, this is my first time competing. And, and I was like, oh, okay, what do I do? What do I do? I'm like, oh. It was, it was like debating, like, should I just reverse out and then just call it a day? So, no, I ended up going to the Natural Olympia. Mm -hmm. And here we go again. My family's out there. And then I took it. And it it was another moment, like, wow, like, Laura, like, 2020, you were 285 pounds. Like, your disease was taking over your life. And then now you're you're here. You're, you're doing it. And not only that, like, it, the discipline, I felt like bodybuilding saved my life during that time as well because it, it kept me on going. And then keeping, you know, how your diet has to be so clean. Having my diet that clean controlled my inflammation levels. Right. So there was only minor flare-ups that I would have here and there, but those are just natural minor flare-ups. But I was no longer like my stomach going out big no more. I was no longer bloating. So even though people are like, oh, bodybuilding is diet's boring, but it actually was a good diet for me. Like I'm not just saying eating rice cakes, but I'm just saying keeping it very simple right. helped me control my inflammation levels. Right. So at the same time, I was like, cool, like I'm competing, I'm transitioned my whole life, and I finally found a diet to like save my life. Because remember, before that, my my endo was just going left, going right, going this, and I was going down like a bad path because like I was 285 pounds. I was like, 
like laura if you don't stop this like what what's next like you're gonna just end up like in a freaking hospital like with machines and more medication and stuff like that so yeah but going back is basically the just the whole weight loss and it, it's great to know that i did it in the backyard for the most part and then once everything started opening up then i started going into the gym but it's like i tell people like that working working out at home allowed me to actually train my clients on zoom and i know how to do all different stuff because i'm in the backyard i'm like okay if i superset this i feel it more here and i feel it more here so i would only train with my coach once a day like mm -hmm. once a week but every other day i was working out on my own yeah so i was able to like finish like figure out all these different routines and then like people were like DMing me like, Hey, what do you recommend for this? So I was kind of like helping people out, like training them without even knowing that I was training them. And then it basically, I was like, okay, I was working. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to do train personal training. I'm like, everybody keeps asking me. So I, I went into personal training and that's where we're at today. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And, um, that's the nice thing about bodybuilding is that since you came from like the soccer athletic competitive background, mm -hmm. um, I noticed that a lot of top level athletes as they get older and they find bodybuilding, they kind of use that same competitive mindset and transition it into the mm -hmm. sport of bodybuilding because it's, it's a good way to stay competitive at your later years of life mm -hmm. when those other sports aren't really available too yeah. much anymore. And it's, it's, a, it's a good sport to do because the risk of injury is very low mm -hmm. as well because it's not like a bodily contact sport. Exactly. Uh, back when I was growing up, um, man, probably 11, 12 years old, mm -hmm. I had an old baseball coach. His name was um, oh, man, Cl uh, Clarence Hardy. Uh -huh. And I, I'll never forget being a kid. And he would always say, he was like, he would like, baseball, baseball's right here between your ears. He would always do that. Mm -hmm. And me being a dumb, dumb kid, I yeah. thought he literally meant I, there was a part of my brain that baseball, <laughs> yeah. you know, a baseball part of your brain. And uh, as I got older, I realized what he meant was mm -hmm. like baseball, like sports competitiveness mm -hmm. is all mental, right? Yes. The, the discipline, the focus. Mm -hmm. And I, I think about that till this day. Like when I get ready for a competition, I'm like, when I'm, when I'm tired, when I'm weary, when, mm -hmm. when my legs don't want to move anymore, I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm like, it's all here. Yeah. It's all mental. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. And, it, and it, it, it honestly is, it's like, it's at the end of the day, it's all mental. And then like, you know, like knowing that, like, I'm still able, blessed to be able to do what I'm doing and have all the diseases that I have because it causes 80% fatigue. So for me, it was like, sorry, I was like, wait, like, I'm still stepping on stage and I'm this like, technically I shouldn't be doing this. So like I said, it, it was empowering. And then going back to, you know, like you were saying, transitioning your sport. I played soccer my whole life. So guess what my identity was my whole life? Soccer. Soccer. Soccer player. An athlete. Mm -hmm. And I was always like, wanted to perform. Like I wanted to be a performer because that's what you do. Like and goalkeeping was a performer. So when soccer shut down, I was like, in my identity like and, mm -hmm. it, and it's honestly crazy because i was just having a conversation two weeks ago with my friend's brother that just finished playing triple a he played college baseball mm -hmm. he's like it's weird huh it's like yeah your identity huh he's like it is huh and i was like yeah it's like you're, you're it's a whole new transition because i go what you're used to performing and he's a pitcher so you know the pitcher is almost like the goalkeeper mm -hmm. so it's crazy like just like you were just mentioning how like you know you played soccer I mean, you're an athlete and a lot of people transition to bodybuilding. And that's the reason why I think it um, 
it was mo motivating for me because now I found like a new identity. Like I feel like bodybuilding fitness is like where the Lord wanted me to be. And I feel that it, it's, it's helped me mentally, physically, and just overall my well-being and stuff. It truly is a, an amazing, beautiful story of, of where you're at today. From everything you had to endure, thing, the things you're still battling today, because mm -hmm. the endometriosis, the lupus, mm -hmm. uh, the loss of family members, like that, that's never going to go away. No. That, that's something you're going to be um, having to fight through day in, day mm -hmm. out. And to see the way you're able to contain that and transfer it into something positive, mm -hmm. into something so powerful, is so inspiring. Thank you. Because we talked about this at the beginning of the, before the podcast. Mm -hmm. And I was like, there's people out there that just have one, mm -hmm. you know, and they shut down their life, which is still mm -hmm. understandable. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause you know, pain and suffering is, is to, you know, teach their own, you know, yeah. every handles it different ways. And for, for you to go through all, all of it though, and to be able to go through that, see where you're at just three, four years ago mm -hmm. to now, being a world transformation champion yes. and performing on the biggest natural platform in the world. Mm -hmm. It's, it's so amazing to hear that and to see that. Thank and, you. you know, like I said, at the beginning, at the beginning of the podcast, your story is truly the um, epitome of mm -hmm. what this show is all about, mm -hmm. what this podcast is all about, where your story is going to, flood of people's minds that may be suffering, struggling, going through hard times mm -hmm. and not knowing if there's a way out, if there if there's gonna be a light at the end mm -hmm. of the tunnel. And they're gonna hear your story and know that they can take something so tragic and chaotic and mm -hmm. bloom it into something beautiful. Thank you. And and that's what like I said, it's um I went through a lot and I've been through a lot, but if somebody can look at me and take me as inspiration, I just want to let anybody know there is hope. Yeah. There is hope at the end of the tunnel. And going back to like, you know, winning the natural Olympia, like if transformation category, like I'm like, nope, I'm coming back this year. So IMBA, um, watch out. I'm going to be competing <laughs> real soon. And I'm hoping to, um, my ultimate goal is to get my pro card. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to call it a day with bodybuilding. But that's uh, that's where I want. And I want, like, we had talked right before. And you're like, I would have never thought you weighed that much. Mm -hmm. And that's my goal is to be able to step on that stage and somebody be like, wow, like, that was the girl who won transformation category. Wait, that's not her no more. Yeah. And, and that's where I, I want to get to. And um, I'm going to be launching. So by the time you guys get this podcast goes out, I already will have my clothing line launched um lns fit co will be launching tomorrow beautiful and uh stay tuned for it it has a little the logo itself has a really great story behind it as well so i'll go ahead and let you guys once i launch it i'll tell you guys a story on that but yeah like i said i i appreciate you having me on the show and and like i said i was a fan of yours and i literally <laughs> was like oh my god i gotta get a picture with them so to just be able to come on your show and um to be able to be a part of such a great organization yeah. like the imba and like i remember you were just saying like earlier like i stuck with it because i didn't want to do steroids yeah i played sports my whole life not once did one steroid even though other people were doing it so i felt the same thing with the imba and that's why like i said like I didn't get to go pro in soccer due to injuries, so I'm going to go pro in, in this sport. There you go. 
Well, I do appreciate you for reaching out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, normally, the guests that I bring on, I'm reaching out to them. You're the yeah. first one, actually, to reach out to me, mm-hmm. and um, that that's why I knew it was it was genuine because you reached out and you right away were like. I have a story. I mm. need to tell it. Yeah. I want to do it on every platform that I can. Mm. Um, I, I just want to inspire people. Yes. And when you told me your story, I was like, yeah, we <laughs> got to get you in here. <laughs> and like, um, I was talking to my wife prior to the show and I'm like, I'm not, I don't, I don't think I'm mentally ready to, mm. to even sit down and have this conversation because, mm. you know, I've never been through anything like this mm. that, that you spoke of. And I don't know anybody that has been through what what you have been through and i don't think i've ever not spoken this much in an episode Mm -hmm. of a podcast (laughs) (laughs) um just because you know i was just letting you tell your story and you know i i I honestly just didn't want to interrupt Mm -hmm. and thank you so much for coming on here Mm -hmm. and being so willing and open to speak mm. your life story to yeah. in the attempt to help other people. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's truly amazing, incredible and powerful. Thank you. And like I said, like that's like my ultimate goal. And that was the main reason I reached out to you because like just talking to the genuine person, like random person at the store, they hear my story. It's like, you know, you gave me hope or I yeah. get a DM and uh that that's my main goal is like i would love to go into other platforms and just get it out there like and i always tell people and i made it clear from the beginning not for sympathy but so people know that you're human i'm human Mm -hmm. like i cry i scream i that's life like and it hurts does it hurt it hurts and and at the end of the day is like we're like you were saying we just need to learn to love one another and care for one another because if anything we learned from the pandemic it was harsh people's mental health took a a really bad toll and stuff but just coming back to just wrap it up is like you know i want to thank my family like my godparents my aunts my uncles my sisters my brothers my best friends like honestly you see the strong person my mom my dad molded me i know i got a lot of my mom but like i have a loving supporting family and that's why i tell you like even if I could help make a stranger smile, like this lady at Sprouts yesterday, she looked like she's having the worst day of her life. <laughs> and the next thing you know it, I was so nice. And like, she just had a light up smile. And then for me asking her, how was her Thanksgiving? Like, you know, like to me, it's just like little things like that. If anybody else takes anything from this, I hope you take something make somebody say, tell that person their hat looks cute. Tell that person, I hope you have a good day. Hold the door open. It's just little things like that that make this world a better place. I completely agree. Tell people where they can find you on social media. Yes. So you guys can go ahead and um, I'm under girl gone fit underscore 24. So you guys like honestly, like I know I just went over a little glimpse, but you can literally see the whole transformation, the whole mm-hmm. story, because I posted like I mentioned to him throughout, like you'll see the dirty mirror in my backyard. So it all literally started in my backyard. You'll see videos of me like being like, you know, when I was that big, like jump like doing jump squats um i couldn't even do 10 burpees when i started like i had to do three three and four and it took me 15 minutes to do yeah. i do 10 burpees in between my sets now so if you guys like go see my story if you guys have any questions go ahead and um directly just dm me and if anybody needs a talk or anything i get random people that just want to talk yeah, you know and um just dm me like i said i'm human um if i don't get back to you guys right away you're not bothering me, but just like at the end of the day, if you guys need anything, you guys have any questions, if you're going through something, 
that I spoke about, or if you have any questions, ask me. I, like I was mentioning to him, I'm not a doctor, I'm not an expert, but I'm willing to tell you what I've been through if it's gonna help guide you with your journey as well. Absolutely. Laura, it's been a pleasure. Thank, Thank you. you so much again for taking the time to sit down with me and have this very important mm -hmm. conversation. I do truly appreciate it. Yeah, like I said, thank you so much. And like I said, if we change two lives with this podcast, we change two lives. But yeah, I'm just, I'm happy and I'm, I'm hoping that um, this does help out as many people as we can. Absolutely. For everybody watching and listening, if you guys are watching on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe. If you guys are listening over Spotify and iTunes, you guys can leave up to a five-star review. That's an easy way to support the podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in and we shall see you guys next time.